Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Samuel Rook who should be joining us a little later. Love isn't in the year yet and neither is the smell of pancakes but February is the ideal chance for someone to make a move so who's going up and who's going down? That might need a little bit of rephrasing but uh, before we chat league on football here's the latest headlines. Marseille recorded their best win in 70 years as they put nine past Bourges on Brest in the Coupe de France's round of 16 on Tuesday night. Lucas Ocampos and Costas Mitroglu both netted hat-tricks in the big victory. Paris Saint-Germain are also into the quarterfinals after they saw off Sochio 4-1 away from home with Angel Di Maria grabbing three of the goals and Danny Alves having a spell in goal. Trois crashed out of the, crashed out to Ligue 2 side Lens, who won 1-0, while Cole needed penalties in a 2-2 thriller against Metz that saw both sides score in extra time. Lyon continued their march in the competition with a 2-1 win at Montpellier, with Nabil Fakir's spot kick making the difference, while Strasbourg have made it to the next round after winning 3-0 against Grenoble earlier this evening. In oh, Lyon, uh, well, elsewhere, national side, uh, Les Herbiers beat Ligue 2 side in an upset Auxerre 3-0. They are the lowest-ranked side still in the competition. And Chambly knocked out the previously lowest-ranked side, Grandvier, 1-0. In the quarterfinals, which were drawn earlier today, um, Strasbourg will be at home to Chambly. Paris Saint-Germain in the big match will be hosting Marseille. Le RBA will be facing uh, Lens in a battle between two sides outside of Ligue 1 for a place in the semi-finals, which is not a bad one for either of those. And Caen will be hosting Lyon. And that's all for now. But for the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start with those midweek games in the Coupe de France, and I wanted to start with Paris Saint-Germain, Adam, who recorded a relatively comfortable win in the end with a bit of an interesting one for two players, Angel Di Maria, staking his claim for a starting place more often, especially with the Champions League games coming up with a hat-trick, and uh, Dani Alves having a little spelling goal after a red card for, for Kevin Trapp. It was an interesting and slightly strange game, wasn't it? Yeah, um, two. You make those those bring up those two players there, and it was definitely an interesting night for them both. I think first of all, Di Maria. Um, there was a, a whole thing last season about him wanting to play on the right, and there was a bit of a sort of not necessarily falling out, but there was a sort of a you know he, he clearly wasn't happy playing. He being shoved out on the left, you know, with Lucas Moura there, who was also better on the right, and there was a you know he he really felt like that's where he he saw himself, but he played on the left yesterday. So it's really interesting to see that when he wants to and when he's under pressure for his place in the team, he's started the last 10 games, but obviously when everyone's fit and available or not, you know, being given days off like Neymar, then he, he wouldn't be in the first 11. So when he clearly when he needs to be camp on that left-hand side, he was actually brilliant against Osho and has been since the turn of the year. He's been really, really good. Um, not just scoring those goals, but he was creative uh, and exciting and, and played with intensity. So that was really good to see. And um, Lakeep this morning were, you know, making... The comparison to him and Mbappe with that that Real Madrid game next week, you know, he could even supplant 
Mbappe in, in, in the starting eleven. I personally don't think he will, but the fact that he's been putting pressure on him is is a testament to how well he's been playing. And Alves was fantastic. And Kevin Trapp got sent off. If anyone hasn't seen it, came out and supposedly brought down a player who was cleared for a goal. Although I'm not entirely sure whether that was the case. I kind of felt Thomas Munier was going to get to the ball before that Sosho attacker. Referee sent him off, and Pichu used all their subs, and Sosho ended up with a free kick on the edge of the area, and Danny Alves went in goal, which. Possibly when you're thinking, when you're playing sort of percentages in terms of players going in goal, on, you know, on-field players going in goal, outfield players going in goal, you go for like, the tallest guy or, um, you know, sometimes that you, you've seen like a captain going goal, perhaps. I remember Phil Jagiel going goal for Crystal Palace, or for Crystal Palace for Sheffield United, sorry. Um, Emerson in goal for Brazil in training where he famously injured himself, you know, that sort of thing. But um, Alvarez being the character he is, decided to go in goal and... and it was great to see, but the most disappointing thing about about that was um, was that the free kick didn't test him. They hit the wall from the free kick. You've got a short dude in goal. You would have felt like just hit it, get on target, make him make a save. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. But um, it really, really, it was it was a fun game, exciting, open. The first half was really open. Sasha equalised after PSG took the lead really early on and really held their own. And they obviously beat Amiens six 0 in in this tournament as well. So they're clearly a team that can can hold their own against league insides, although not having the best season in the league there. But an exciting game for, for PSG fans and, and for, for the tournament in, as a whole, I think. Yeah, there was a brief moment at 1-1 where we thought, oh, hello there, there might be something happening in a in a midweek game, but it was quickly extinguished. And uh, mm. trust Danny Alves to take opportunity at a, a moment where he's thinking, well, the game's won. Uh, I might as well have a bit of a going goal, actually. I'll, I've done pretty much everything else in my career. I might as well have a, a brief stint between the nets. That shirt was three ties as too big as well for him <laughs> as well. Um, On to that, well, not quite record-breaking, but one of their best wins in a long while, really, uh, Sam for Marseille, who put nine past the Ligue 2 side, Bojan Bress. Um, it involved hat-tricks for Lucas Campos and Kostas Mitroglu, which, in honesty, they, they've had good performances from Valé Germain recently, but getting the Greek to have a little bit more confidence, even if it is in such a big win and, and relatively irrelevant goals in the end, getting him back in confidence is, uh, is an important step as well. Yeah, I mean, that's just, um, that's what they were hoping for. They're perhaps hoping he might have got those goals a little sooner and in a bit more of a significant situation. But if it takes him six months to adjust, and this is the first signs of him really sort of finding himself in his Marseille team, that, that can't be anything but a good thing. He really brings something different to, to Marseille. And if he can reach the level he's been at most of his career, which is prolific and effective, then that's going to be huge for Marseille in this sort of race for Champions League football. I mean, it's a hat trick. Any hat trick's a good hat trick. You know, you, you really can't complain about that. And surely it's going to give him some confidence. Uh, Valajemar might be out this weekend as well. So maybe Mitroglu gets a start. Maybe he can back up that hat trick with some goals that matter a little more. But, you know, that's it's good news for Marseille. I mean, it has to be when you win 9 0. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in all honesty, Sam, um, their next game now in that cup game is against Paris Saint Germain. That's their final, isn't it? If they win that, that's a great chance of them, them getting silverware. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you just can't wait for that game. You know, to get to get a bonus uh, classic is um, is a real treat for all of us, I think. And and yeah, if, if they win that game and they might get lucky the way it falls, PSG might have their eyes elsewhere, you know, perhaps on Champions League football. Um, if they win that game, it'll be huge, huge for them in their season. But yeah, a chance to really lay their hands on the football and uh, on, some tro- on some trophies and end and PSG's dominance of, uh, of French domestic cups. 
Yeah, it's, it's a great chance for a number of teams now. I mean, obviously, as soon as you get to sort of the quarterfinal stages, it's a good chance for anyone to start thinking about winning tournaments, no matter how big or how small you are, Adam. I mean, looking at the, the sides that are left, obviously, Leon will fancy this chance. As you, you watched Cone the other night against Metz in an, an entertaining one as well, do they maybe have an outside chance of this one? Because if you look at the rest of the tour, I mean, Strasbourg and Chambly, you would probably expect the Liga side to go through. Then there's two lower division sides in the other semi-final. It's a great chance for a team like Cone maybe to make a final. Yeah, it really is. Um, it'd be interesting because I think that's the great thing about the Coup de France. I think, I think it's, uh, being English, obviously, the, the FA Cup is is you know it's famously the oldest competition of cup competition in the world and it's it, you know the magic of the cup and all that great but i think the coup de france in european terms obviously not in france but it's a very underrated tournament it's a really really interesting tournament and stuff like this happens all the time you look at the the, the quarter finalists and you said you know there's Zerbier in there have been in there in the later rounds you know lawns uh, league decide you know getting into the quarterfinals um chambly as well you know holding their own Gronville, beating bordeaux and getting to the round of 16 there's some really interesting teams that fight their way out from those lower divisions and can get really quite far and they cause upsets against the high high division teams and of course there's there's the the inclusion of the the overseas territories french teams so last season we had lille playing a, t a team from a union island which was really interesting excelsior they're only two one up with, with five minutes to go in that game ended up winning it four one in the end but still, it shows like the, the competition in lower leagues in France and even abroad. So it's a really exciting competition. And you, even if you look at the winners, you look down the winners list, and there are some, you know, Gangon won a cup relatively recently. So these things can happen in, in France. So um, for a team like Con, they'll they they'll definitely be fancying their chances getting getting this far at least. And you know, you know, couple of games, and they're they're at the Stade de France. And if PSG and Marseille knock each other out, you know, there's there's a real chance for them there. So um, I, I think. The Coup de France is a really underrated competition. It really highlights its, to its strengths and the strengths of French football in the lower division. So, definitely, I think Patrice Garand will be, will be eyeing that, especially in the mid-table, not really going to do much this season, perhaps, be eyeing the final. And that, that's the interesting thing about this draw now. I mean, especially because PSG and Marseille are having to face each other. That's one big gun that someone doesn't have to face as well. And, you know, if maybe someone gets lucky in, in that Les Herbiers and, and Longs match and, and maybe takes on a Cone or a Strasbourg in the semi-finals, you never really know. It might be a really interesting one there as we go ahead in that one. Uh, on to matters in Liga this weekend. And there's a, a number of interesting games. And we start on Friday night's game between Saint-Étienne and Marseille. And, and Sam, I wanted to talk about the hosts first, really. Um, Saint-Étienne have been a little bit better in the last couple of weeks. They've still sort of flittering between um, being okay and being dire. But um, at least a couple of... They've obviously brought a couple of players in over the winter break. They got a good, solid win away to Amiens last weekend as well, which showed a little bit of life, or signs of life at least anyway, uh, with Ntep as well scoring his first goal for them. Um, is there shoots of optimism for them now? I know it's a difficult game against Marseille, but um, it's there's something starting to grow there a little bit more than we've seen for the majority of this season. Yeah, I mean, the key for them is, <clears throat> is avoiding relegation and the shoots of that are certainly there. I mean, they're up to 12th now. They are now they're sort of five points away from the drop zone, which is a huge improvement on where they were. Um, <clears throat> the changes they've made over the winter have obviously helped. They do look a lot better than they did. They looked just utterly forgettable for months and they don't anymore they look they look okay as you said they don't look great they don't look like they're gonna blow anyone away and race their way up the table but they very much look like a team that will finish comfortably safe um this is not the game that they need to target to win to to stay safe 
Uh, anything they get out of this game will be a bonus. There, there are bigger games for them, more winnable games on the horizon. They have the derby against Leon a couple of weeks, but they've got a lot of other winnable games coming up. And, and they really just want to give a good account of themselves here and, and, and show more of the promise uh, of what these sort of new recruits and those who are still there can can do together. Yeah, this is quite an interesting period, really, for Lever Adam. They've got this tough game at home against Marseille, then a winnable game against uh, Angers in a, in a few weeks' time, and then the the return of that <laughs> mauling when they had to the uh, Parkwell at the uh, at the end of the month as well. What do you think ahead of this game, at least? Anyway, is this one where you would expect a, a classic sort of Santa Tien performance of defenders high, well, as as strong as you can, and sort of play on the counter attack and hope that. Marseille's slightly leak, weak, leaky defence uh, can give them a little bit of a benefit of, and try and nick a win here? Adam? Hello, sorry. I had yeah. the mute button on. Sorry. <laughs> <That's all> yes. <laughs> It's, it's my bad. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to use the phrase classic Sanetian performance because I really, I really feel like they're sort of developed, well, not, at least in the last decade, they've really developed the identity of being a defensive team and, uh, you know, organised across three managers now, Gasset, Oscar Garcia and Gauti, obviously the majority being Gauti, but it would be a classic Sanetian um, performance. And I really see that coming. I mean, these, these games are actually pretty good between Marseille and, and Sanetian, at Sanetian, Marseille in the last few years anyway. So Marseille often often win quite easy at home, but um, they've, been, they've been tight. And I think that will suit Sanetien. They'll happily sit back and happily try and hit Marseille in the counter trap because the way the season's gone, they're not really expected to take anything in this game at all. Um, Marseille are un- in really, really good form. They're finally playing like the team that they should, you know, that they look like the team they should be with this talent and the money they spent. So I think Sanetien, they'll, 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 they'll sit in, as Gasset was, was um, Johnny Gasset was saying, but before this game, you know, that they were they were much more sort of organised and much more sort of rigorous in, in in the game against Amiens, and they were very effective in that game. And that's kind of that sums this club up. You know, they're an effective team, at least at their best. At the worst, they can be pretty dire. But they'll have they'll happily take anything from this game. A point would be one would be wonderful for them, given how how well the season's gone. And um, they won't have Remy Cabella because he can't play against his parent club. Um, uh, so you know, there's a little bit. They're they're definitely underdogs. But I can at home. I'm. And, you know, their support behind them, fantastic support that they have at Sanity. And I can definitely see them taking something in this game and causing Marseille a few issues. Hmm. This is going to be an interesting one. But, Sam, in, in recent weeks, at least anyway, for, for Marseille, it's been much, much more improved. They've they've shown their, their metal against some of the bigger sides as well. And they were really, really good on Friday, even though, obviously, they conceded three at the end. It, that maybe soured things a little bit, really. Um, but they're scoring goals and they're getting more from the other players. I mean, we they relied a lot on Tovan and, and Gustavo uh, early on in the season, but um, Ocampos is scoring goals. Mitroglou starting to get involved. Germain started Im- improving as well. Um, they're on the rise, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. And I think another one who you didn't mention there probably deserves a mention is Payet. We're starting to see, again, a, something closer to the player that that we saw for six months last season that we really haven't seen at all this year. He's got three goals and three assists in his last six games. I mean, that's that's the level you want from him, sort of delivering every week. Um, he's taking some of the pressure off Tovan. Also, because Tovan takes so much pressure upon himself, Payet is freer to play. But it's great to see Germain finally sort of firing as well with a bit of regularity. You know, we mentioned Mitroglou in the cup game. 
this is this is a Marseille team that's starting to get really exciting. You know, with this, there's more coming out of Rami. Rami looks a really good player. We all sort of scoffed at his signing, but he's he's fitting really well and he's looking very good. And all across this Marseille team, you see strength, you see depth, you see options. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting when the European football comes back around. Um, sort of end of this month, um, they have Europa League games to play. Whether it'll really test that depth and we'll sort of see maybe. Um, just how deep this squad is. They have a European game three days before they play PSG in in Ligue 1. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. But certainly, yeah, this is uh, this is a really exciting time for Marseille. For a long time, they've been sort of outside the the power players in Ligue 1, looking up. Um, but now, suddenly, um, arguably the form team of of the top part of the league, without uh, the exception of PSG. And right now, you probably back them to be the ones to finish second. Feels like that, doesn't it, Adam? At the moment, they're they're obviously the front runners, but at the moment in that sort of dogfight between second, third, and fourth, they need to keep winning. It's important again that they do that on Friday night against a, a team that are probably going to sit back and and try and absorb pressure from them, which they, obviously they didn't really face on the last Friday night very much. But um, yeah. it might be a little bit more difficult one to break down uh, this one. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that. You're absolutely right about them. Perhaps well, there's a lot to be said about that. I think the, the, the dog fight for second and third and fourth. Um, at the moment, they're in the best form, but there's such a long way to go. Um, I really think that Leon and Monaco have, you know, have their own strengths and are fully capable of hitting form just as good as as Marseille. And Marseille are fully capable of dropping off. So I see. Um, those three teams are so close, unbelievably tight, really, in terms of in terms of uh, ability, in terms of form, in terms of players, you know, in terms of the, the way they've been playing across the season, it even, it's evened out really quite a lot. So although Marseille look like favourites at the moment, they are playing the best, um, there's, still a, there's still a number of twists and turns to go. And that, that defeat of Marseille at Lyon really proved that, you know, that, that Lyon in particular are capable of beating the bigger sides and when they're on the, on their game, beating pretty much anyone in, in this league, PSG may be a side, or then they beat PSG as well. So it could be anyone in this league. So there's, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of things to be said between now and the end of the season. But um, drop points here for Marseille would be a disappointment given how, how poor Sinetian have been. And they'll be, they'll, be, they'll be expecting to win this game, um, which could play in Sessin's hands a little bit. There might be a little bit of pressure on Marseille. You know, they're going to frustrate them. So um, it's going to be an interesting match. Let's get some predictions then on this one. Uh, Sam, what are you going for? Uh, I think Marseille are going to win it. I think they're going to win it with a little bit of ease. Saint-Etienne have got injuries. They've got players who are unavailable. Um, I mean, I think Marseille are going to win 2 0. Adam? I'm going to say 1 all. I. I think it might just be a sneaky one for Marseille. Maybe a little bit of a Tovan inspired bit of genius, maybe again that that Knicks are winning against the Santa Tien Dart side that are definitely going to play 11 men behind the ball for as long as they possibly can, really. Um, on to a, a, the Saturday's games, and there's an interesting one that I thought we've not talked about a few sides um, for a little while, and that's uh, Dijon and Nice. It's an interesting one for both sides, and I want to start with the away side first, Adam. Um, nice have been on a quietly decent run recent, well, recently, sort of since the turn of the year. They've picked up a couple of decent wins, a draw at Monaco as well. Then two defeats against Mets and Toulouse that have sort of derailed them from possibly fighting for, for fifth and, and pushed them back into sort of mid-table. They're, they're not any worries of being relegated, but 
in all honesty, they've got Nolton in a week's time as well. They'll want to get back on the horse and try and chase them for a, for a guaranteed Europa League spot, won't they? Yeah, I definitely think given given the, you know the the, 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 the 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 turnover of players over the summer and the players that left and the players that came in. Yes, it took a while to get going, but it really felt before Christmas and even over the Christmas period. You know, when they came back in the new year, the Nice were were back and and Lucien Favre had found a way to to sort of cajole his team into the performances that he expects. They looked far more organised, they looked far more, it played with much more intensity. You know, Balotelli was scoring goals. But you're right, in the last few weeks, they've kind of dropped off a little bit. And although that's disappointing and they've let Nantes get away from them a little bit, I still expect Nice to finish fifth overall. I think on, on paper there, they've got the, 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 the next best team. I think it will be close between them and Nantes, but I think that um, the, the, what, what Lucien Favre did last season and the fact in the way that he sort of um, very cleverly, sort of very tactically nuanced um, use of his team and he was able to sort of eke out wins towards the end of the season and keeping that just about in that title race. I really think that will come back to, to help him. And although Ranieri's very good at too, I think that there's slightly more quality for, for Nice. So I, I imagine that they'll eventually finish fifth. But in those defeats, especially I actually watched the Toulouse game today and and I felt they were by far the better team. Toulouse got really quite lucky, which they normally don't get anywhere on, away from home. And it is pretty bad losing home to Toulouse. They're terrible away from home. But that fantastic Gradle goal won, won the game. And apart from that, Nice were really all over them. And they, they, should, they, should have, they should have won that game. And obviously the Mets game was very unfortunate too with the sending off. So uh, those, uh, on, on, on paper, those defeats look bad. And they are bad. But um, there's, there's a lot of caveats to those two Nice performances. And I think that Favre's got, got his team back to where he wants to be, or at least roughly. Um, so they're definitely going to be a danger on the home straight, and I'd expect them to finish fifth. Mm, and that's really the interesting point of this game, really, Sam, is that they are currently sort of sat in seventh. They're only three points off Nantes, and they play them in next week. They play Bordeaux, who are just two points behind the game after that. But this is an ideal game, really, to get some form back ready to hit this, a, a Dijon side that are probably being more attacking, more expansive, give them a little bit more space than the likes of Toulouse and uh, Mets have in recent weeks. So this is, should be, for them and Lucien Favre's side, a chance to uh, to express themselves a little bit more and maybe um, grab a good win. Yeah, I mean, Dijon will absolutely let them play. Uh, they'll play themselves, but they'll let me play their own sort of game of football. I mean, Dijon's games, the only thing you can guarantee is goals. You know, they've a very, very poor defence, the worst defence in the league, um, despite having played a game fewer than most of the other teams. Uh, you know, they Nice can't really keep a clean sheet either. Um, one in 16 games, you know this game will have goals in it. Um, but I think Adam made the point there that, you know, Nice, nice are a team with greater quality. Um, and, yeah, they, they should be able to win this game and to to win it quite comfortably. But the Nice have just had no consistency whatsoever this this season and, and to, to play well against Toulouse and lose, uh, perhaps they'll play poorly and win in this one. And talking about consistency, really, Adam, Dijon at home so far this season, they haven't lost at home since October against Paris Saint-Germain. They've won six of their last seven drawing the other game um, at home, which is an excellent run for a, for a side that do play expansive football, but they, they love playing at home, don't they? Yeah, they are really good at home and, that, that that game you mentioned against PSG as well, they're, they're unlucky not to win that. That Ben Bongemangiano volley, absolutely brilliant. And I think this is Munier scored twice at the end. So they, they really could have got something there as well. So they're definitely um, a threat at home. 
um, as you said, they're, they're expansive, they attack. Um, they've got a lot of sort of tricky, sort of waspish little players in midfield. Hilo Tavares leads the line really, really well. And people play off him. You know, when you look at their midfield, and look at people like Slitty and Amalfitano when he's... Oh, is it... Uh, uh, Kwan as well, sorry. Samara Tano, as you say. They're all very sort of skillful, very similar types of players. There's a lot of sort of fluidity in that midfield. And when when they play that expansive football, when perhaps teams come to them and naturally away from her, you kind of sit off. Um, it helps Dijon. And, and they, as you said, they've been absolutely brilliant at home and uh, it kind of plays into their hands. So it, it should be a really interesting game tomorrow because... You know, that, that's, it feels that's the way this is going to play out, that, you know, Dijon are going to attack and Nice are going to perhaps be a little bit more conservative because that, that's kind of the team they are. And, and they'll sort of look to hit, hit on the counter and, and play, keep Balotelli and Alassane player in the game and hope, hopefully nick a couple of goals and, 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 and go home with three points. But it, it'll be, I think it's going to be a good one. I think it's an interesting tactical sort of a chess match between the two managers. Yeah, and that's they all all those exciting, quick Dijon players all bounce off of Julio Tavares that sort of holds <laughs> it together in the middle there yes. as a sort of linchpin as well. And great stat for Dijon as well as their last five games at home, they've scored at least more than once, and in four of those they've scored three. Um, so they mm. they they are really enjoying their home form at the moment. So it makes an interesting prediction, Adam. What are you going for? Two all. Sam, three-two uh, Dijon. Mm, yeah, I think it's going to be. I'm, I'm going to go for three three. I think this might be a little bit of a tasty one if you can catch it on Saturday. Dijon at home are a team certainly to watch. Uh, moving on to um, well, Sunday's games now, and the early one is between Strasbourg and Troyes. Um, the away side are in a bit of bother. Really, it's a little bit unfortunate for them that the game was called off last weekend. They won't play that until the 20th against Dijon, who also missed out last week. Um, but they have now sinked to 19th, uh, Adam. They've been really poor form, really, this side of uh, the season 2018. They uh, well, have won one game against Lille, but uh, big losses against teams like Angers and Toulouse. They lost to Lens in the Cup as well, um, this week as well. It's... It's looking pretty poor. This this run, they've got Strasbourg now, Metz, Dijon and, and Rennes in the next games in February. This is a really important moment for them to try and uh, get back on the horse. With the, they're staring down the barrel at the moment. Yeah, they are. I think I think there are a couple of things to be said. First of all, the, dropping into the bottom two looks bad, but it's so close to teams, the bottom third, the bottom half of the table, that um, had they played Dijon last week and they even got a point, they wouldn't be there. So or even got a win, they'd be... You know, 14th, 15th, and perhaps you wouldn't look be so glum about them. Um, but I think they have a number of issues in in their side. First of all, um, goals. They they've um, they've got what well, sort of rotating between Adam and Yan and, and Souk up front, who's on loan from Porto. And I think that, that they they kind of wish that those two players were one because um, Nian has a poor attitude sometimes, um, and perhaps he's a bit of better finisher than Souk. But Souk works really hard. Um, in, he's much better interplay with, with players like Stefan Darbiard and Brian Pelle and Sam Grandsir, and but doesn't score that many goals. I know he's got a few in the league. He scored twice against Monaco, both of those very fortunate. But he, I don't think he can be relied upon to score goals. And I think if you played Nian more consistently, he'd probably be a bit more reliable in front of goal and you know spread his goals out a little bit more and, and, and contribute more to, to points rather than Souk, who kind of scores in little bursts occasionally and perhaps isn't the, the, the best focal point for the attack. 
Um, also in midfield, uh, it's interesting how they're using Benjamin Neve this season because, yes, he's 41, so he's not going to be expected to play every game. But ability-wise, he's still brilliant. And in this league, given how the league and um, fullbacks don't really get, get bombed on too much and, you know, it's, um, it's a little bit slower than perhaps than the Premier League, perhaps, then he, he's he's still OK at that sort of age playing for a team like Twilight. And he's kind of dropped out of favour a little bit. He was injured for a while um, and um, Cowie's done really well on loan for Marseille in, in the same position. So I kind of said why I haven't been using him as much. But he's been playing in the Cup and, he, you know, he, he, he played... Uh, against Lons in the week, and he played in the previous round as well when they played Essie Still from the from the eighth tier, and it's like that's a really odd usage of him because because he's such a quality player, you feel like he should be f- focused on league games alone because they need to stay in the division, and not if he doesn't start, then he should be given be given half an hour towards the end of tight games where he can really affect the game. It, it's, it's down to him that even in this division, having scored the goal against Lorient in the playoff last season to, to get him up to get the team up. Sorry. So I'm I'm surprised at, at, at Jean-Louis Gasset's usage of him there. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Maybe his legs are just going and he's realised he can't, he, this will be his last season perhaps and he can't keep playing, you know, that consistently. But then I don't understand the usage in the cup because they're not going to, I don't think that they fancy themselves to win the cup and they're out now as well. So uh, that that's a bit confusing, but they need goals and... I don't know where they're going to come from. So I, I do fear for them a little bit now. But at least at least one caveat that is that they haven't had a terrible season like they did before. It was a nightmare before, but it's at least it's been better than that. But yeah, I, I, I they are staring down the barrel a bit. I agree. And this pales in um, importance for both of them, really, because Strasbourg have been a little bit indifferent since the turn of the year. They they got off to two defeats, beat Dijon, then lost to Lille and Bordeaux. So one win in five is, is not ideal, really, when you there's such a dogfight in that middle table to all the way down to sort of 19th area. Uh, Sam, they've got some tough games coming up as well. They've got Paris Saint-Germain and Montpellier in the next couple, Monaco in the middle of March as well, pretty sooner upon the horizon. Do you feel like they need to start picking things up again and start picking up some points? Otherwise, they they are another team that, if a couple of results go against them, really, that they can be facing uh, the drop zone as themselves. Yeah, I mean, the simple fact is they're the worst team in the division at the minute in terms of form. You know, three points from the last six games is terrible and no one else has done worse than that. Um, you look at the table <clears throat> and you see them 14th, you think, well, it's not so bad, but... Realistically, the Ligue 1 is so bottom-heavy. There are so many so many teams in that dogfight that we've been talking about that it just doesn't take much for them to drop in. And those difficult games that you talk about that are coming up, PSG, Montpellier, Monaco, it's it's rough. And this this is a game that they really need to be winning to give themselves some comfort just to, to not be really in panic stations towards the end of the season because they win this game, they leave Troyes a long way behind them and you really have some breathing space. Lose this game, Twire only three points behind, and the drop zone it seems awfully close, looms awfully large. Uh, this is a huge game for Strasbourg. Um, you know, we've talked again and again. We we kind of we all kind of like the idea of Strasbourg staying up and becoming a sort of powerful club again, and really sort of embracing their history and all of that. But you know, it's really on a knife edge. Uh, lose this game, and and they're really in trouble. 
it feels like that for a lot of teams, doesn't it? Because of that sort of dogfight in there that whenever they seem to face each other, a win is enormous, especially if you're the higher team because it gives you that breathing space. And if you blow it and, and you get that win, you're clawing some of them back. I mean, Mets have been on a, a great run of sort of four wins in six or seven games and they're absolutely nowhere near these other teams because someone wins each week and then someone loses and that no one ever really seems to, to run away. I mean, you start looking up that table and maybe from sort of calm downwards, you're still thinking that any of those could be involved in, in being automatically relegated, never mind being even just in the playoffs. So it's, it's an important game for both sides to with a week's rest, but uh, with a poor result in the cup, then <laughs> Strasbourg with a good result in the cup, but on a Thursday night. So they've had less rest in between that one. It, it's on a knife edge. I think it's going to be a draw. I think it'll probably be 1-1 um, between the two of them. Uh, Adam? Um, yeah, I might, I might even go nil-nil. Sam? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a 1-0 sneaky, scrappy Strasbourg win. Don't think it's going to be the most entertaining game, shall we possibly <laughs> say, but uh, both sides desperately need something out of that game ready for, for a longer winter ahead, at least. Anyway, we finish with Sunday night's match and if it matches up to any of the other Sunday night games we've had this season uh, we're in for a real treat unfortunately it's not between any of the well, it involves one of the top four at least in in Leon as they uh, host Ren uh, Adam Leon in the last couple of weeks two more well, three big games in a row really they've had um they obviously had Paris Saint-Germain and then they had uh, Bordeaux then they've had Monaco um only won one of those though with that impressive win against PSG it sort of fell apart since then um this feels like a game where they they need to try and bounce back if they if they want to finish second in this league. Yeah, this is you're absolutely right. This is a game that if Leon want to finish second, which of course they do, uh, they have to be winning at home to Ren, who are sort of up and mid table, you know, decent um, and dangerous on their day. But it's the game that the type of game that Leon really really should be winning if they want to finish want to finish second. It's weird how how Leon have the season kind of played out in that. They often do better against the bigger teams, and they've dropped silly points like against against teams outside the top six. Um, that Bordeaux game being a really good example. Okay, it was Poyet, it was Poyet's first game in charge, um, and you know there was a lot of other factors. They didn't didn't play well at all. Bordeaux, you know, without Gorvenek, were clearly fired up, and you know they, they, the game played out as he did, lost three one, and, and deserved to. But then you know they beat Monaco in the cup. Um, they they should have really beaten Monaco in the league last last year last year's week sorry uh, and they beat PSG so I, it's almost like their style kind of suits playing better teams because there's a little bit more space those teams are going to come at them a little bit more but they they do struggle when teams come to them and they sit in they're actually not great at home they've got a better away record I think and and they sit in they they, they struggle to break teams down and it's how they go about getting the best out of their creative players to break those those lesser teams down. And this may be a good case in point because Ren might end up doing that. And Ren also very dangerous on the counter-attack because they've got so much pace in Ishmael Asar and players like that. So it's a really dangerous one for Leon. And it honestly wouldn't surprise me to say, again, didn't pick up three points. It's the classic game for Leon this season where they've really struggled. So um, I think they need to really work on breaking the sides down. For me, it, it's prioritising where, we, where they play Hossam Awar. Um, I don't think he's best on the left-hand side. I think he's much better in midfield and not necessarily number 10, but maybe the furthest forward of a midfield three. So for me, that's what I would focus on. And But there's obviously a lot of ways. I've got lots of creative players, but 
getting 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 them to break this te- break this red team down would be would be Genesio's big problem. Yeah, it's about finding the right mix, really, Sam, for Leon at the moment. I mean, one of the areas of contention, and Adam's briefly mentioned it, really, is the wide areas. I mean, Awa's played on the left at times. Uh, Corne was in the game against uh, Bordeaux, was was pretty anonymous. Bertrand Traore returned against Monaco. He scored, but didn't do much else. Depay, again, scored that great goal against Paris Saint-Germain, but was ineffectual in any other games they've really had. It, it's meant the likes of... Fakir and and Diaz haven't really been involved as much. Is it getting that combination of the f- of the two out wide players at least um, the most important for Genesio now? And, and in terms of making Leon tick a little bit more smoothly. Yeah, I think when they when they were in great form, they were winning so many games and they were scoring and they were playing really well. It was that they got that exactly right, and a little bit of that was down to uh, injuries and things forcing Genesio's hand, and he sort of had to pick the team that he had. Uh, now, Awa's emergence and return of, to fitness of some of his other players makes it a lot more complicated. And this is when Genesio really has to sort of earn his money. He has to make the right decisions and get get this group of players. I mean, he's got ex, you know, it's a it's an enviable problem to have to have so many excellent attacking players and just have to work out how to fit them together in the right way. But that's what he needs to do because it it can look very top heavy, very sort of. Um, goal scorer heavy and finisher heavy without the people to necessarily build the platform for those guys to play on sometimes. And so if he doesn't get that equation right, they look very lost. They look very confused. I think against Bordeaux, it was definitely not the right combination. And, and once they went behind, they, they seemed to panic and it was too many people trying to do their own thing and not enough of them sort of playing the team game, really getting away from what had served Leon so well. And so, yeah, really just getting this, this balance exactly right and perhaps resting some of these big big names you know you don't want to drop someone like Awa but perhaps you do I mean obviously you don't drop Awa but but perhaps you drop one or two of these bigger names just to get it quite right because otherwise you know it could be three defeats in a row Mm, and that was the strange thing about the Monaco game, I thought, with obviously Luca Toussaint out of this one. Um, they decided to go for Ndombele and Awa in the middle, and both are excellent footballers and, and work really well in that role. But having those two behind Traore, Depay, Fekir, Diaz was just a, a recipe for disaster. I mean, if, if Monaco had kept 11 men, and, and I thought this during the game, really, that it was one lucky goal for Diaz, goalkeeping mistake, a great run by Traore for the second, but if as soon as Kaita Balde scored, it felt like, and and obviously Falcao scored the equaliser. It felt like that Monaco were building momentum before the Balde red card. It felt like Monaco at that point were finding the gaps in between, in behind the amount of attacking players or attacking minded players that they had in on the field, and they they maybe need to work better, even if it means playing. Um, Jordan Ferry, who, who can play a little bit more defensively or something like that, or even playing someone like um, Diakabe as an extra defender, play with a back three, use one of them almost as a as a pseudo-defensive midfielder. They just needed a bit more security, and that's could be a worry, Adam, and you briefly mentioned it, about playing someone like Ren, who have players that like to get in behind, like Kishmaili Saar, who seems to be fouled every time he's touching the ball at the moment, really. And uh, that's exacerbated by Kylian Mbappe's uh, extension of his uh, of his suspension as well. And, and the like. And then you look at Mawasa, if he if he's on the field, or or Udu is, is, does that regularly. Diafra Sacco likes playing on the edge of the defence as well. They've got players to trouble them. And if Leon 
don't aren't at the top of the game, although Ren have been indifferent recently even a couple of poor results, they've got the players to trouble them. Yeah, absolutely. This is the type of the type of opponent that Leon won't like to play and you know the pace they do have will be will be of a real real worry. Now they've got Diafrasako in the side as well. It really adds a bit more of a focal point to the attack with Kazi playing up there. He did very well to be fair to him, but it's not his natural position. And at Bordeaux he was brilliant behind the striker. Um, so if they can just sort of they might not be great for Johan Gorka for what, who's been in and out of the team because he's he's you know he's got no legs left, he's he's super injured. But um if they if they can drop Kazi into that position and 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 have him playing off um the Afrasaka that might be a really good sort of a focal point for that attack with, with Saar on one side and then you, you know players like Uno as you mentioned uh Benjamin Borgo midfield in, in midfield as well they've got some really exciting players and I think perhaps maybe next season is the season for them when Lamucci's really got his feet under the table and he's really you know put his stamp on the team from 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 Gorkov before um that might be the where to really worry about Ren but um yeah I think this is a, a slippy one for for Leon and and they've got the attacking players to really hurt Hurt team. Yeah, and that's the funny thing, really, about Ren at the moment, at least. Anyway, they they performed admirably in the in the cup against Paris Saint Germain. Um, they had a couple of okay wins against Lille and Angers in, in the league, but then lost to Dijon, who were excellent at home. They lost to Gangomp last weekend as well. They're really a sort of Jekyll and Hyde side. You can't really decide exactly what Lamouche's team is going to do week in week out. He seems to play a different formation sometimes, plays different players as well. They, they're still, again, and it seems like perpetually for Ren, a team in flux, Sam. Yeah, I, th <clears throat> I think Adam really nailed it when he said they sort of play up to the uh, the level of their opponent. When they play a good team that wants to sort of play football against them, that lets Ren sort of naturally fit into the reactive role. And with the exciting players they have, the quick players they have, being able to play on the break, being able to sort of just worry about playing football, not worry about uh, sort of having to uh, break down a deep set opponent, that suits them a lot better. And that's, I think, probably why you, you see more out of them when they play against the better sides. Because, you know, a side like PSG, you're never going to sit back. They're going to come at Ren, which allows Ren then the space to play into. You know, the reason we see more out of a guy like Saar when they play against PSG, he has room to run. Unless Mbappe is anywhere near him, um, but you know that that's the reason why those those games are much more attractive, and that's why this game, where Leon will have to come at them, Leon need to win this game, um, should really suit Ren again. You know this this should be a game for Ren to to show their quality as much as Leon. Yeah, it's it's really interesting one. This has the potential with the players on there to be another really exciting Sunday night game, and I'll start with you in the predictions, Adam. Um, what are you think in this one? Um, I think it's going to be exciting. Um, four, three, two, Leon. Sam, I'm going to go one level higher um, of Bedlam, and I'm going to say four, three, Leon. Yes. I'm going to tone it down a little bit and go for a, <laughs> for a, for a two-one win. But I am hoping that we hear some of the the crazy score lines. Maybe that Sunday night fever might uh, might catch the teams again. We really really hope so. Uh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Adam, Sam, and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the main show again on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.